Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your holiday co-host, codename Crapshoot. And I am your commando of Christmas cheer, codename Legion Cub. You guys always outdo me on this. I love it. Uh, please remember to follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. And we've got a few pieces of news to talk about before we get into the show. Uh, two things. Uh, well, one thing has arrived and another one is on the way. And I would consider them big holiday items, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Cobra Commander Roleplay Helmet that it's actually sitting a little too far away from me to, uh, for me to grab it right now. Uh, I will have a review of that up on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it's big. It's awesome. It comes with a stand, which is something different and cool because I've got some of the Star Wars Black Series helmets that have come out uh, and they don't have stands. They're just helmets are just sitting on the shelf. Uh, but I'm excited because the Black Series helmets fit my gigantic head. So I'm curious to see if this one is going to fit as well. Uh, and then the other item that's coming in this week is the vinyl record of the score from the 80s cartoon from G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. This is the first time this music has been released in that way. And I just received the CD from Word Burglar that I ordered from the uh, the, the uh, music, not Kickstarter, but uh, the project, the fundraiser project. And yeah. uh, I have not actually even cracked it open yet because I don't even know where I have a CD player right now. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to listen to it. I've, I, I've got digital versions of it already, but I, I, it'll be fun to pop in a CD and listen to it that way. But I strongly uh, encourage everyone to go out there and support uh, Word Burglar's uh, uh, Welcome to Cobra Island Kickstarter. And the, uh, yeah, the vinyl was funded, so that's going to be happening, and that's coming out, I think, after the beginning of the year, maybe. I might be wrong about that date, though, but uh, definitely check that out. Uh, and we've also got some new G.I. Joe reviews up on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, Cobra Commander has been reviewed, and Snake Supreme Cobra Commander and Red Ninja will be up uh, before the end of the year. That's all I'll say. I'm not sure what the order is going to be. But uh, the Red Ninja figure finally came from Big Bad Toy Store. Now, that's, that finally is on my part because it was sitting in my pile of loot for a few weeks, actually, because I knew I had other stuff coming in. But I got to tell you guys, uh, have either one of you seen this in person yet? No. Mm -mm. So it's a really cool figure. It's a great figure. But I'm honestly not all that excited about it. It's it's too far outside of what G.I. Joe is to me for me to really love it, if that makes any sense. I understand. It's it's cool. It's a great figure. And for newer G.I. Joe fans or people who are collecting this because they're just great action figures, which some are, uh, I think it's 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 great. But I think I said this last time, I'm a little more enthusiastic about the new Hand Ninja that's coming out as part of the Marvel Legends series uh, because it's just a red ninja. And it comes with Stilt Man's legs. Uh, but, you know, it's it's cool and I'll be reviewing it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, detract from it just because it's not something I love. It's still a cool figure. Uh, any other news or thoughts before we continue on?
All right, this is something that we haven't done before, but because of the way we've been recording the show, news often happens between when we record and when the show goes up. After the beginning of the year, this will no longer be an issue, but for right now, uh, I am back. Noel is back. Hey! Uh, Christian, unfortunately, uh, got called away for secret maneuvers somewhere. KP duty. Yeah, yeah, probably. So... Uh, Noel and I are going to talk about the reveals from Hasbro's live stream uh, from Fan First Friday. Uh, there are a few things that, honestly, we felt like we had to talk about and that we didn't want to wait until the January episode because by then it's old news and old news is no good to anybody. Uh, so, Noel, two of the first things they showed were the Jada Toys products, the vehicles and the little figures. Uh, you found those vehicles. I, I, I don't know why they even featured these, honestly, because they've been in stores for months now. Yeah, the uh, the vehicles I found in a Target probably in August. Um, I don't go to Target very often, so for all I know, they may be there constantly. Uh, the, the little figurines are cluttering up every Walmart I'm, I've gone to in the last <laughs> couple months. I I have both of these. Uh, I had the vehicles pre-ordered from Big Bad Toy Store, my favorite toy retailer. But after you mentioned finding them in Target, I started looking for them. And it took me several weeks to ever see them. But I finally did. I got them. I think they're great. I think they're great little collectibles. Uh, I got a set to open and a set to just sort of keep on the blister card because they're they're cheap. They're, yeah, they're cool. They like eight? eight bucks or something yeah i think eight for the three pack and then yeah. i got i got the joe one and i got the transformers one too because it was you know it's very cool to see you know some of your favorite transformers characters as well in little tiny uh, micro machine style figures but yeah the joe ones are great so uh, i am I'm, I'm still kind of puzzled by the vehicle selection but uh, i'm hoping <laughs> they do another another couple of uh, waves of them in the future yeah, I'd definitely like to see more. And I, I, speaking of other franchises, I grabbed the Back to the Future set as well, just because it's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the micro figures, I really like these, and I'll probably buy any that they make. I like the metallic paint jobs that they put on them. I think they look neat. They're just something to stick on the shelf, though. It's not like I'm particularly excited about them. But when I see them in the store, I'm going to buy them. Yeah. Uh, they also showed a line of snowboards, which was of little interest to anybody I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's cool. You know, anything that you can slap G.I. Joe on and get attention for the franchise, I guess, is a good thing. Snow Job and Iceberg are really happy about them. Uh, they mentioned some stuff that's going on in the comics. And I'll be honest, I'm not following IDW's comics right now. Uh, not even the Larry Hommel ones. Uh, and, and that's, that's on me. I just kind of, I don't collect any comics anymore right now. And I've just kind of fallen off even with the GI Joe. I'm sure I will eventually. Cause I, I, I read the first like 75 issues of, uh, Larry's reboot when it first came out. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll, I'll eventually go back and get all of the digital copies of the ones up to, a certain point i don't know who, who knows how long it's going to run uh it's been going for quite a few years now so yeah i'll uh i'll get the trades once once i feel inclined to do so i've got the first 50 or so issues i think uh so you know i'm, I'm glad it's still going yeah uh and then the next thing was interesting because originally super seven had advertised that they were going to be popping in at the end of the live stream and they didn't actually, like, I don't know if 
actual representatives from Super 7 were supposed to be on or, or what, but instead, before Hasbro went into their own releases, they showed Super 7 Super Cyborg Bat, which was actually shown back at Toy Fair. Uh, and I was very, very excited about this. If, if you've seen their Transformers Super Cyborgs, they're very cool. Uh, I've been tempted to buy them. That You can actually walk into an FYE store and see them in person. And that's where they'll get me sometimes. Because when you're having to order stuff online, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell just how cool it is. But then seeing it in person is a whole different thing. And the Optimus that they did is awesome. And this bat just looks fantastic, so... Yeah, I, I, I pre-ordered, I, uh, I thought I had already pre-ordered it from Big Bad, but I think I was waiting to see if Super 7 offered it because I do like to get direct from Super 7 when I can. But as of right now, as far as I know, it's on Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, and Hasbro Pulse, and that's it. And I'm certainly not ordering from Hasbro Pulse because I'd like to actually get it in my hands uh, and not have to wait a month after its release for Pulse to send it. It's uh, uh, it, it's it's a little pricey. Seventy five is is a good bit for an eleven inch figure, but uh, yeah, but it's we'll you've got to look at it as a collector toy and not as yeah. a mass market toy. And it does have uh, the translucent chest with all the sculpted gears underneath. I think that's great. It comes with all the different arm attachments. Uh, I, I think a little pricey, but not horribly pricey. Yeah, we'll see. Well, maybe one, maybe one day it'll be an impulse buy for me. But uh, right now, I'm I'm happy to just admire the fact that they're branching out and doing stuff like this with the GI Joe brand, which is always good to see. As I as I've always said, the more GI Joe, the merrier. Now, if the bat is an obvious candidate, but if they were going to do more GI Joe Super Cyborgs what do you think would be something cool that they could do? And I'll go ahead and throw mine out there since I already thought about this. Hmm. Uh, I cannot remember if it's from one of the miniseries or if it's from one of the episodes, but the giant snake robot. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? This is from the first miniseries. Okay, made... I was thinking miniseries. Yeah, they've done... I know that there's been some third-party toy companies that have done uh, like customs of those. But that would be, yeah, that'd be very, very cool as a Super 7 cyborg. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And it would put it at a cool, at a cool scale for your three and three quarter inch figures, too. Yeah, proportionally, I'd be curious to see if they would do it, you know, with the broad shoulders and everything. Uh, or if they would stick more to this, this sort of size that they did for Optimus and the Bat. But yeah, I think it'd be a really good candidate. Hmm. I think uh, even though he's not a cyborg i think cobra commander would lend himself really well to this mold and this yeah yeah, yeah. i agree as a matter of fact you could e they could even sort of gimmick it up a little bit to where it's like an android cobra or what if what if it's cobra commander but the concept is they sort of market it as a giant robot cobra commander so for the removable chest plate that these all have it would be his uniform, you know, the way his uniform has the sort of buttons on the side. So that chest plate opens mm -hmm. up and it's kind of like the old bulletproof figure from cops or no buttons. McBoom boom. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> where his chest opens up and the little guns pop out. Yes. So that would be his chest feature. And then of course he would have the spot on his back for the blaster. I can see it. That yeah. would be very cool. I'd love to see that as well. 
Yeah, I think um, a lot of a lot, a lot of your characters that kind of don't have like real human, like if it's got a human face, I don't think it would work yeah. on this. But anything yeah. where you've got a like a face covering or a mask, even like a Destro might look cool in this uh, yeah. kind of or snake eyes. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few others I think they go with. If this one sells, I mean, I think Cobra Commander is probably going to be your best selling one of these. Um, just because he's still very iconic, even to people who don't really like G.I. Joe. He, he's the name of the brand. Yeah. Or the face of the brand, rather. The faceless face of the brand. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think if you get into human faces, that'd be a little bit too weird. But yeah, any of the masked characters, I think a Viper would actually look really cool in this format. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the next thing that they talked about, and it's something that we've already talked about, is the uh, G.I. Joe soundtrack on vinyl uh that i received yes. in the mail and had not had time to listen to when we first recorded but now i have uh the sound quality is absolutely phenomenal i was disappointed there's no digital download i i don't understand the record companies who are releasing this stuff and not putting digital downloads in there but my assumption is that it has something to do with the licensing like they can't do it uh but it, it's gets my highest recommendation if you're a joe fan you have to have this the only thing that was a little bit of a letdown is the vocal version of the theme song is not on the record and you had some speculation as to why that might be yeah i'm wondering if it's just paying royalties to the singer or something along those lines um maybe they they're they're either cutting back or it could be a licensing thing perhaps the the singer didn't sign up sign off on it um i don't even know i don't even know who sang that song 38 years ago now (laughs) yeah i'm I'm not sure but it's still awesome to put it put it on and listen to it i love it and if you haven't gotten it yet and are planning to get it i will recommend you get it from barnes and noble because they got a special red vinyl exclusive that i didn't know about when i ordered mine that also includes a cool fold-out poster so uh if you're gonna get it get it from barnes and noble uh all right moving on to the big reveals the meat of the uh of the presentation here uh, yes absolutely and uh our our first big hunk of meat is good old flint yeah i w- as soon as i saw this figure uh, i was very happy like my initial response was wow that's great what was your because you weren't i think it was christian and i were kind of watching it live i don't think you yeah. get to see everything till later did you yeah i was a I, w- I watched a little bit later on um i really like this flint figure uh they they kept him very traditional um, he looks about as much uh, like the original, uh, the original Flint as you could possibly do. He doesn't have a lot of garish gold on him like so many other Joes do. Yeah, they it, seem to have really dialed that back. Yeah, um, he's got uh, uh, he's got some really cool web gear on, of course, with the traditional um, uh, bandoliers over his shoulders. Um, you know, just looks like a really, really good sculpt. Um, the, the head looks great. The beret is great. He's, uh, of course, it's removable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this figure. And I like that they've gone back to paint apps on the weapons. His shotgun looks awesome. I like the little opening action there. Even though there's no detail inside, it's still, it's still a cool little feature. I like mm-hmm. having things to fidget with. Uh, yeah, it looks great. He's got a functional holster and a pistol. I think they've done a really good job here. 
and it was mentioned during the video that they had added some some scars and sort of battle wounds i guess to his face uh i'm fine with that i i think it yeah. adds some you know just adds a little bit more to the figure i don't have well, any problem with that at all and flint is one of those characters that i've always envisioned as he's he's an older guy he's a warrant officer he's been around for a while he's yes. he's, a, he's a grizzled veteran he's he's hardened so yeah ha- him having a few more uh, you know, nicks and cuts. Like, you know, Duke Duke to me is kind of like he's he's the young, he's the top kick. He's he's not out in combat that often. He's you know he's he's fresh faced and he's younger looking. Um, but no, Flint Flint should have that extra ruggedness about him. To me, Duke is Steve McQueen and Flint's John Wayne. There you go. <laughs> uh so yeah, this works for me. I don't totally love uh the big armor piece on his chest, but I also don't hate it. It's fine. Uh, I don't mind it. Like I said, they've they've done that with a lot of these characters because they are doing a bit more of a modern army look for them. Yeah. Um, it because it's it's also black like the rest of his shirt is. It doesn't really stand out that bad. So. Yeah. If it was green, it would be terrible. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the pouches around his waist as well, um, which I think work. Yeah, it looks. I mean, he looks great. I'm excited to get him. Uh, and, and they kept mentioning dynamic duo clearly in love with that terminology. Oh, the guy, <laughs> the guy kept calling Flint's shotgun, a boomstick. And my assumption is that Hasbro doesn't want them saying shotgun. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. I understand the reference for boomstick. Obviously this guy's he, this, this, uh, beardy guy, I don't know their names and I apologize for that. And I know a lot of people do because they have to know whose name to type angrily when they're in the forums. But uh, this beardy guy seems really cool. Seems like a Joe fan. Seems like he's interested in updating the brand. He knows his stuff. <laughs> uh, probably a big Evil Dead fan, hence the, the usage of the term boomstick. So I, I, I like this guy. Uh, and then moving on, of course, we get Lady J uh, as the companion reveal to Flint. And this, to me, is one of my favorite classified figures so far, I think. I think she's a great sculpt. I'm disappointed in the costume. Um, because I'm not, a, even though that was the, the original figure was all the, the all light green flight suit. Right. Um, I've always liked Lady J wearing uh, the, the darker fatigues. Um, either like the the video game design has her in brown trousers um, or the dark green trousers is my preference so uh-huh. i think either one, either one of those i would i would have liked a lot better but i do love the i i think her sculpt is fantastic i love the fact that she's got the cap but it's removable she's got the spear gun um yeah the fact that the cap and the hair switch out mm-hmm. is is that's some genius toy engineering right there or i guess just good decision making but it's something that you don't see a whole heck of a lot and i'm glad they paid attention to that yeah and she can carry the spears she does that she can either use the spears as a handheld weapon or put them in the in the spear gun like the original toy had so they did kind of get the best of both worlds both from like animation model and her original figure but i do wish that they had just varied the 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 shirt and pants up a little bit uh, and to me, her face sculpt resembles the voice actress. Who's yeah, she looks she looks right just now. like Mary McDonnell Lewis. I love it. Yeah, I, I think that's very very cool. Uh, I uh, like I said, this beardy guy 
uh, who's handling the classified stuff. He, he seems to know his stuff. I, I like this guy. Uh, I would be perfectly happy. And, and of course we don't want anything to be a target exclusive ever because that's a never ending nightmare. But if they were to do repaints here, I would love to see a tiger force Flint and a night force lady J. Yeah. I think those would be very cool to see in this style. Well, and I think that there's a, so they'll probably do one that's more like the animation colors eventually. If, if, if they're anything like Hasbro is where they try to get as much mileage out of these molds as possible. Um, they'll, they'll probably re-release her in other colors. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, all right, moving on to the retro series, which is, uh, the less said about the gentleman presenting these, the better we want to be nice. <laughs> we want to be nice here on the audible interlude podcast. We, we, uh, enthusiasm is a good thing. So, uh, this lady J is what, what do you think of that head? Let me go pull her back up again. Cause I, I, I hid that tab. Um, yeah. Um, what, what is, I don't, what? I don't know about that hairstyle. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. Like, look, I actually like, uh, everything from the neck down, I think looks cool. It looks like a good update of the original lady J I, I could maybe do with the web gear, not being that bright Brown like that a little darker Brown would have been nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind the colors of that. But uh, that that head, I, I, it doesn't look as bad in the close up picture. But in in the uh, whatever you call the official uh, cross sell pick, I think it's called, um, not super. But but I will probably grab one of these if I see it in person. I didn't do a pre order. All these pre orders went up. Uh, and the retros, as they often do, just sort of sat around for quite some time, uh, which I understand because Walmart may or may not ever deliver them to you. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I still don't know. I think that the uh, I think my Fang is supposed to ship in February. Yeah. So who knows if that'll ever arrive at my house or not? Well, I actually did get my his tank and my Ostriker. Um, and I let's see. I can't remember if I got. Uh, no snake eyes and storm shadow. I got in store Baroness. They actually shipped to me. So I, I did get some of my pre-orders, uh, moving on, uh, more figures. I, I didn't pre-order <laughs> and never would. Uh, this Duke is a <laughs> big giant WTF. I don't understand any of the decision making that went into this duke figure at all that head is my least favorite head sculpt of just about any gi joe figure ever well here's here's my point so if you look at the storm shadow and snake eyes and baroness figures they come with tons of accessories so if you're going to include this head if you're going to include this bandolier, which is for the jetpack, yes. this isn't even meant to be a bandolier on its own. It's it's an accessory that goes with the jetpack, which this Duke does not include. Um, you know, put in the jetpack, put this cross piece in, put a regular, more traditional Duke bandolier in. 
put another head that's just the normal smiling Duke head. Uh, you know, this base doesn't really bother me. I, I, I keep seeing online references to the diaper crotch, but <laughs> I, I like I see, but at the same time, it's not that bad. Uh, if they had just thrown in another head, the jetpack, and another bandolier, then the, I would probably buy this. But this figure, as is, to me says, whoever made these choices doesn't know anything about G.I. Joe. Well, and it, it kind of just it goes along with what I've been kind of saying about this line to begin from the beginning. Uh, they feel like they're the redheaded stepchildren of all that GI Joe is doing because they have just taken, they took the original uh, card art uh, where the figure has the same smirk as Duke does uh, the original, the original 1983 Duke figure does. Right. Um, they then put this, you know, this head where he's like scowling or screaming. Well, it's the it's the it's from a very specific scene. It's Duke with the American flag and the jetpack. It's like it literally from a single cell of animation. Right, right. And it was cool when they released it as part of a box set because we'd already had like three or four other Dukes at that point. So it was cool to get this variation. But if you're pushing this as here's the new Duke figure, it doesn't work. Yeah. And then of course you've got the um the, the I don't the the uh binoculars don't come with this figure, even though they are clearly on the uh on the card art. Right. Um or nor does yeah, the backpack. Yeah, nor the backpack. But yeah, they these figures in a lot of ways just feel like they cobbled together what they could most easily put into production from their yes. existing molds yes and didn't take the time to even update the the card art to to reflect what and the, and i know the, the card art's there to draw the eyes of of people of our generation like oh i remember this from when i was a kid and they might not even look at the figure and they i can afford this for 12.99 and they'll and they'll take it home with them but i just think it's a disservice to them to to do such a great job with the classified um, marketing and then just to, just to toss this off, like, all right, here's, here's that, uh, here's that crumb we've been promising to throw you for years now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this retro line just feels like an afterthought. And speaking of afterthoughts, uh, <laughs> Cobra commander, which honestly, there's not really anything wrong with this figure, but there also isn't anything overwhelmingly great about it like i don't need it i've already got a dozen cobra commanders in this style and there's nothing about this one uh, again if they threw in the hooded head well they should have done it in a darker blue thrown in the hooded head uh and honestly i don't know what else you would have put in there that that would have that would have made it for me i think yeah it's it's a cobra commander yeah, there's nothing, nothing offensive and nothing that exciting. Uh, yeah, it's I've I think I have I don't even I don't even collect the modern style figures, and I probably have three or four Cobra Commanders just that I've accumulated <laughs> over the years. <laughs> well, but he does come with that great foot stand. Yes, the as foot that stand. guy <laughs> that guy calls them. My gosh, boy, it's hard to be nice sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's it though. That was all the reveals. Very excited about uh, the Super Cyborg Bat, Lady J, and Flint from the Classified series. And uh, once I get eyes on the Retro Lady J, I may or may not pick her up. Uh, she might she might be a nice addition because I don't believe 
I have that version uh, from the 50th anniversary line. I don't think I got that one. So that might actually be one that I need. Uh, yeah. And that's about it, man. Noel, any other thoughts about uh, that live stream? No, I, I tried to pay as little attention to what they were saying as possible and just kind of <laughs> look at the pretty pictures and, uh, you know, yeah, jot down yeah. some notes on what I thought. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, well, thanks for taking some time out to do this emergency news break for Audible Interlude. <laughs> Then it is time for our review. Tis the season for holiday cheer and Christmas magic, and G.I. Joe is no exception. Now, I do want to make it clear to the listeners that we're not going to be going to the well of the uh, Real American Hero 80s cartoon too often, but there was just no way around talking about this episode. Cobra Claws are coming to town. That is our review for this month's episode. Uh, it originally aired on no November 7th, 1985, written by Carla and Jerry Conway and Dan and Roy Thomas, uh, which you probably recognize, uh, recognize all of those names from Marvel Comics. Some pretty big royalty there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's a fantastic Christmas-themed episode, and we're going to talk about it now. Uh, when's the last time you guys watched this one? I, I make a habit of watching this, or at least since I got the DVD Footlocker, I watch this every year around the holidays. I haven't probably sat down and watched it, watched it in uh, well over a decade, but I, I put, this is one of many episodes because I put the box set on in the background a lot, especially when working on costume stuff. Yeah. When I was doing, when Joe first hit YouTube, um, this popped up. So I feel like it's only been a few months. Yeah, I want to say it was around this time last year when Hasbro started putting the episodes up. Has it been that long? I'm I, terrible I, with time. I think it has. I think those were when the first ones popped up, but I could be wrong about that. But uh, it's, it's just gone so quickly since we've done nothing but sit inside our homes. I feel like this year has flown by as rotten yeah. as it's been. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so the story is that Cobra infiltrates the pit in order to frame G.I. Joe for attacking uh, nearby Keystone City, uh, thus breaking the public's faith in G.I. Joe, because in the, in the Sunbow cartoons, literally every person on the planet is aware of G.I. Joe, as we've discussed before, right down to their code names and their specialties. Uh, so Cobra wants to frame G.I. Joe and, and set him up. And they accomplish this by shrinking themselves down, sneaking rattlers and claws and snakes and asps and stingers and everything else into the G.I. Joe Happy Holiday Wagon, which is basically Toys for Tots. They've collected a bunch of toys for charity and brought it back to the pit. Now, let me ask you guys. At the beginning of the episode, we have uh, CoverGirl shipwreck and dusty and an awe striker pulling the happy holiday wagon a rattler attacks wild weasel 
who has one of my favorite characterizations on the show. He's very bombastic. Uh, I always enjoy it when we get to hear him talk. But attacks the Ostriker and maneuvers it into a very specific spot where Cobra, or perhaps Firefly himself, has built a secret door into the side of a mountain. The secret door opens. Firefly comes out, which, by the way, yay, Firefly. Love seeing him on the show. Dumps the... the uh, a Trojan horse. Yes, a literal Trojan <laughs> horse. The insidious... rocking Trojan horse. <laughs> yes. yes, the insidious cobra booty into the uh, holiday wagon, and then goes back into his secret door. A lot of a lot of things had to happen. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> needlessly complicated plot. When presumably they were picking up these toys for tots holiday wagon things from some sort of collection location that Firefly could have just easily dumped these things into. Right. Right. Yeah. No need for the attack. No need for the, uh, I mean, I don't know how much it costs to build a secret door in the side of a mountain. I would say it's not. I cheap. feel like, yeah, I feel like Cobra though probably has these all over <clears throat> um, with the frequency in which we see these kind of plot devices happen. It's true. That's true. That's true. They just like, set they, them up. you know, we're, we don't have enough money right now to launch a full scale attack. So Cobra soldiers, Go build some trap doors. And this might have led to my belief as a child that if I just looked around hard enough in the wilderness, I would find multiple trap doors that would lead to like <laughs> secret terrorist bases. <laughs> it's like Disney World. Yes. The world the the world is Cobra's Disney World. They just have tunnels and secret doors all over the place. Uh, well, don't so forget that when he when Wild Weasel does greet them. He does say, instead of Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, because Cobra is part of the war on Christmas. It's true. Of course they would be. Uh, so <laughs> once they stash all of these shrunken down vehicles. Now, here the big reveal that got me, and this may be something I'm making up in my head. It may be an actual memory of watching this when I was a kid. But as I was watching it this time, because we've talked about before how when you're really paying attention to something in order to review it or talk about it, you, you get more out of it. You notice more things. I feel like when I was a kid, I was shocked that it was Cobra vehicles and troops shrunken down rather than little tiny robot Cobra vehicles and troops. Yeah, I think that I got the impression they were like, little toy soldier versions of cobra because that would probably fall more into a typical cobra plot based on what we know about the show that that to me would make more sense and you know let's talk for a minute about which one is more plausible sean do you believe cobra is more capable of actually shrinking down organic and mechanical things and then bringing them right back up to size or just that like a, a Dr. Mindbender-esque person made little tiny military robots. At the... Man. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I want to believe it. However, the gun falls on the snow and shatters into a million pieces. So... No, they probably couldn't. It would probably be like the scene in Ant-Man. As soon as you shot them to with the to shrink, they would just right. 
Yeah, I, I now obviously within the context of the G.I. Joe Sunbow universe and this cartoon specifically, Cobra shrinking stuff left and right, no problem at all, and expanding things, which we'll see later. Uh, but for really, there's no such thing as implausible in this universe. And I'm okay that's, with that. That's pretty makes, well established. <laughs> it makes things more entertaining. Uh, and this obviously was still even though it comes later in the cartoon series, it's still before the bats because they were using the snake robots. Yes. Snake robots. Snake and robots. Not- yes, not armor. armor. Right. Robots, because that totally comes into play. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think it's, I think what's, if anything's implausible, it's that Cobra not only infiltrated the base with by shrinking themselves down they literally brought the entire cobra army with them like all of the heads of cobra are there right uh you would think that they would leave some folks back in the in the background and maybe just have like one or two military commanders out there but you know it's destro it's the baroness it's it's cobra commander it's firefly it's like all of the big names in addition to a bunch of troopers and snake robots well that was what surprised me was when cobra commander pops up right at the the end of the big uh, fight scene it's like wow he's there too he's not back in the base coordinating all of this like they went all out and trusted firefly to execute the most critical portion of the mission not not the guy who i would think would be the most trustworthy cobra no no then again i don't know who that would be really he's probably the one with the best aim out of everybody there ah good call excellent point uh, before we get any further, did you guys have any sort of early notes about the beginning of the episode or anything? I do, actually. Uh, number one, the Beard Brigade, sorry, Beard Brigade <laughs> is really disappointed that Crank Case was not driving the Awe Striker, mm. uh, that we got Dusty, who kind of disappears quickly into the episode, so why not? Uh, and two, you would you got such a great character moment from Mutt yeah. in the beginning of the episode. Like you really thought that this is going to be a Mutt and Junkyard specific episode with the way that they gave him this great, oh yeah, I have Christmas depression kind of thing, which, you know, for kids cartoons back then, everything was episodic we really didn't have you know unless it was like a mini series you did not have plot points through each episode so that you could build on characters like we do nowadays um so having that little scene with with mutt talking about his his childhood and feeling like an outsider um i thought like that's really strong stuff to be to be putting in there so that he's, you know, just fleshes him out a little bit more. So he's not so two dimensional. I took notes on that too. I mentioned that, you know, that's, it's, it's very brief. They don't get into it much, but just even touching on that, that's the reason why Mutt walks away. It wasn't because like, oh, I got to take Junkyard out for a walk. It, they, they actually wrote something in there that was a little bit heavier than it needed to be for a children's cartoon, but it's good. And we, we talked about like PTSD in the, um, yeah. the, the when we were reviewing the, the, uh, those in a place like Springfield, uh, or actually uh, about um, oh, uh, uh, Worlds Without End. So we talked about that and how like they they did sneak a few adult themes in there that when you're a kid you it might go over your head a little bit, but now watching it as an adult, that's 
that's some pretty bold stuff to put in what was just there to sell toys. Yeah. And, and I loved Junkyard's, or sorry, I loved Mutt's line when Junkyard comes up to him. Um, or maybe when he makes the comment about leaving the turkey leg behind. But because I'll say I was this. like, yeah, my dog would not do that. Well, you should also never give a turkey leg to a dog, by the way. Uh, uh, turkey and chicken bones are very, very bad for they cats can, and dogs. They can splinter. It's no good. So, yeah. so oh. kids listening at home, that's no good. Don't do it. Uh, but you can pull the turkey off and give it to him. That's just yes, fine. Nothing yes. wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I, I liked Mutt's. So even though the resolution at the end is basically like, hey, you know what? I like Christmas now. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't feel alone anymore. Well, you weren't alone right. when you walked away at the beginning, but I'll, I'll give you this. We had 22 minutes for you to figure this out. Well, and I appreciated his, his uh, sort of perspective on that because, you know, there are people who, lots of them, who don't maybe feel Christmas quite as much. You maybe aren't as crazy about it. Uh, and it was also a way to give them an entry point into the episode and have, make it a little more relatable that there's, Oh, there's somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't love Christmas. Kind of like I don't, um, which I say that as the person who potentially doesn't love Christmas, I freaking love Christmas. <laughs> like, I know, I know you weren't speaking in the first person. Man. Right. Exactly. Uh, so uh, moving along, we get some uh, snake robots blowing up, which is why they were robots and not armor. <laughs> yeah, like one, you know, just one little uh, gun butt to the to the head and the whole thing just blows up. That's yeah. some very, very poor uh, engineering there. I also liked the scene with Roadblock, who, who of course, is the one who uh, made the Christmas turkey and had a rhyme about it as well. Yep, I was waiting for him to call somebody turkey, and he did not. <laughs> oh, very disappointing. But he was too busy barely tapping a miniaturized rattler with his rifle. Oh, my gosh, that was so great. <laughs> and the look on his face <laughs> was awesome. In a, dark, in a darker world, I would have just loved to have seen him just reach down and just step step on the, the Cobra Trooper who had parachuted out. Right, right. That's not going to happen in this kid's cartoon. And, and you have a moment where you do kind of expect that to happen, and then you're like, oh, no, this is a cartoon from 1985. That's, <laughs> that's not, We're not going to get that scene. But it was great. It was hilarious. Uh, did you guys notice when Destro showed up, uh, and we'll get to this later in the episode, a little foreshadowing maybe, he was wearing a long military coat that we have mm -hmm. seen, not from the original line, but we have seen in action figure form. Yes, it might, it might, it might be something that uh, I quite enjoy as Destro in a long military outfit. <laughs> Very cool. I wonder... I actually put on, on my notes in here, Cobra is smart enough to wear winter gear. Take yeah. notes, quick kick. <laughs> Did you notice Cobra Commander's winter booties? He has like no. I noticed they all were they were all wearing like big tall boots, but oh, he has well. He, okay, here's the great thing about Cobra Commander's gear: he's wearing the like parka, but he also has on like big furry boots. Then later on, there's a scene in the pit where he goes to leave the key for the Joes because he's an idiot. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't have the big furry boots on. So I want the scene of Cobra Commander like sitting down in one of the chairs in the pit and taking his furry boots off <laughs> with his regular stirrups and shoes underneath. <laughs> that was great. I love that. He also left the key to, just to get onto that. He left the key in that room with them. Uh, 
also leaving a, a very intelligent parrot and uh, Rottweiler in there that could easily just retrieve that key and give it to one of the people there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Without but then we the... wouldn't get the romance between shipwreck and a slab of beef. I am time with a slab of beef. I am glad you brought that up. Now we have to say this is a family show. However, I I feel comfortable quoting this line. Me and that side of beef could have a meaningful relationship. Cover girl looks at shipwreck and doesn't understand what he's saying at all. You must be out of your mind. And he says, you got no imagination. And then he wraps his legs around the beef and we cut directly to Cobra outside walking around. They just left that hanging there for a while. Uh, and then, of course, we come back. And uh, what must Shipwreck's core strength be to have been able to hoist himself off of that hook just by wrapping his legs around that slab of beef? That's impressive. He has climbed a lot of rope. Ah, that's yeah. a good point. I buy that. We'll go with that one. Uh, I love that the name of the device is the molecular reducer enlarger. <laughs> good one, Destro. Yeah. That's not really marketable. No, no. You're going to need to come up with a clever acronym like you do with most of your Mars equipment. Uh, what else did you guys take away from this one? Uh... I like the fact that we got to see the ASP in action, even though it was G.I. Joe using it at the time. And uh, I like... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, backing up a little to the freezer scene, I, I love the Baroness's line to Cobra Commander when he's going in to give him the key, because obviously she already knows what he's doing, and she was like, gloating is so gauche and like <laughs> like i love that that you well tongue tied you can tell we have good comic book writers writing this episode because they're able to work in this kind of humor and dialogue that i feel like a lot of other episodes it's not consistent within the series um so, yeah, so I, I like that they were able to squeeze in that little, you know, I don't think anybody in Cobra really respects Cobra Commander because they know he's an idiot, but you can't stop him. Speaking of not being consistent with the series, uh, did they did they miss the part in the series Bible where Duke and Scarlet were an item because CoverGirl just lays a big old fat kiss on Duke that, at the end of that episode? That was a friend kiss on the cheek. <laughs> It's perfectly fine. Now, I'm not saying if, if Scarlet had seen it, she'd be okay with it. But it was just a, a friendly little, you know, hey, we made it out of that one. Let me give you but a kiss. You... It would have been no different if, if Mutt had given Shipwreck a little peck on the cheek. I don't know. There are only seven people at G.I. Joe HQ right now. I have a feeling that that continued on a little bit further that night. <laughs> she, was, she was very flirty before she gave him the kiss. But I also wrote down throughout the episode, she really steps up to the plate. Yes. She yep. is practically the the leader um, whenever Duke is not on screen. And that's pretty awesome. And, it, uh, and I like the fact that too, with 
with this small cast, you got to see like Tripwire and Blowtorch that you yeah. didn't get to see do a whole lot on the cartoon. And it took me a while to figure out that was Tripwire. Because he oh. didn't have his helmet on. He didn't yeah. have like all of his gear or something. He had like his chest plate. I don't yeah, know, he's still just... wearing his protective chest plate to eat a turkey dinner. Yeah, sure, sure, of course. Yeah. You never know. You agree. Remember, he is clumsy. That's true. So and grease spatter can be painful. <laughs> uh, Zartan's hood that he apparently wears underneath the masks <laughs> of other people that he wears that the cartoon cannot decide if it's a hood or if it's hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 been a, a question. To me, there's no question that's a hood, but apparently there's still a lot of people in the community who argue that it's hair. I think in the... Okay, here's where I'm at on it. I think in the cartoon, it's hair. I think that the animators didn't know because when you look at it, the texture of it, the way it hangs, I, I think that at least most often, it's hair. That's I just... don't disagree with you as much as I hate it. As much <laughs> right, as right. I hate Destro's moving mouth. <laughs> um, but so speaking about the animation, so one of the things um, that I feel like is commonly known is Sunbow for all the series that they worked on. So Transformers, G.I. Joe, Gem, all of that. There were three different animation houses overseas that they used, which is why you can see the, the animation kind of flux from episode to episode. Um, they definitely had the best one working on this episode because the, the scene with Duke and the snake armor uh, was beautifully animated. And as Phantom pointed out, there's little facial expressions that the Joes do that are just varied enough from the, you know, the, the stock animation, um, you know, the way that they always draw the faces. Yeah. And at the end, after they dogpile on, I think it was Destro, when CoverGirl stands up, her hair, they actually drew in like the, the the tussle lines like it's messed up yeah and then she like does this head flip and it goes right back to the standard animation but i was like oh man like they they put their all into this episode from a technical standpoint and that sort of stuff for the adult me just pushes it to that next level well almost any almost anytime you see uh, a character outside of their standard costume uh, they, they had to work a little bit harder to do that because these animators were working off of this these these stock animation uh, models. So almost every character in this is wearing something different that they normally mm -hmm. wore uh, during the regular run of the show. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of variation here, a lot of opportunities for uh, custom custom action figures and stuff like that too. So you mentioned Roadblock in uh, the Asp being towed by the Stinger. And at one point, once they catch up to the Cobra forces who are in G.I. Joe vehicles on their way to Keystone City, which Keystone City actually gets attacked by G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe vehicles. We see a father and son and the son, the son which sounds an awful lot like uh, one of the female voice actors that we hear, uh, says, 
I thought they were heroes. And the father, who has a great mustache, says, so did I, son. So did I. Well, and they awesome scene. They leave all that open. Like, yes. there's, there's not real re- resolution. G.I. No. Joe comes in and takes Cobra out. But you never see them redeeming their name. You'd think there would have been a scene thrown in where they're marching Cobra through the city or something. Oh, look, it was because that that poor kid and his dad, we never catch back up with them. We don't see that they they get a resolution to what happened. As far as we know, like Keystone City just hates G.I. Joe now. Well, and and as somebody who owns two parrots, seeing a 75 foot tall parrot attacking you know <laughs> attacking planes in the sky is horrifying i would be traumatized if i saw that but polly does ever so gently carry uh what is it cover girl and the rattler yeah and then uh it just plucks duke right out of the air after cobra commander <laughs> flips him off the eject chair which i thought was awesome uh another one of those episodes where you realize how uh how versatile everybody on both the G.I. Joe and Cobra are because they can just pilot yes, any vehicle brilliantly every time. They're the best of the best, Noel. That's well, true. And Wild Bill must have the best hearing of anyone oh on the gosh. planet <laughs> yeah. because the thing doesn't have a cockpit. So he should have the, you know, the, the rotors and, and the engine already drowning out any sound, but he can hear Wild Weasel's snide comment when Wild Weasel was piloting the dragonfly. Nobody going, can no do one that can in a do fang. that in a fang. Which is true. That's probably the most implausible thing in the episode is well, nobody yeah, could do right. that in a fang. Or, or <laughs> any helicopter ever. <laughs> uh one moment I enjoyed and it inspired me. Actually, you mentioned Roadblock being in the ASP, and he turns around. This is where I was going before. Uh, he turns around and says, Surprise! And the way he says it makes me want to see Eric King from Dexter play Roadblock in a movie. Uh, if, if you know what I'm referencing, I can't go any further. There is a very specific scene in Dexter that's my favorite scene in the whole show. There's a gif of it. Uh, if you look up Dexter Surprise, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're under 18, don't do that. Uh, and then finally, at the end, of course, Cobra is defeated. Polly is still 75 feet tall. Cover Girl and Duke presumably go back to the pit together. Shipwreck goes and visits the slab of beef. And Christmas now has meaning for Mutt. Yay. Yay. Any closing thoughts about this one, you guys? Two small ones. Uh, we keep mentioning the fact that they are fighting in Keystone City. And I there's a part of me that wonders, is that a little Easter egg thrown in by Roy Thomas? Because Keystone City is the home of Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash. And Roy Thomas, of course, is a huge Golden Age comics fan. So um, I wonder if he kind of wrote that in as a little Easter egg. I tried to do some hunting online, um, but I couldn't really find any interviews with him about any of the scripts that he wrote for G.I. Joe. So My guess would be yes. I think it's easy enough to get something... Uh, you know, it's not like it was Gotham City or something, so it's not right. 
it's generic enough that it could slip by. And I noticed that they said the name so many times. It wasn't yes. like just a throwaway line. It was constantly repeated. And I thought, you know, I think he's trying to get, you know, people be like, oh. Uh, and the other thing is, um, during the fight scene in the city, did you guys notice that Keystone City also uses the double-decker bus for public transport. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, there there is a double-decker bus driving down the street. So um, <laughs> very worldly, that Keystone City. Yes. I didn't pick up on the Keystone City uh, flash reference, but I, um, I just figured, you know, I presume that G.I. Joe headquarters is in war at fort wadsworth like it is in the uh in the comics and i just right. figured all right pennsylvania is not too far away so it would make sense for them to go there from from new york yeah and i'm see the surrounding landscape of the pit i don't know where it's supposed to be in this one i always kind of thought of it as being in like the midwest or in the center of the country somewhere i, I don't know that's interesting yeah. Uh, that's maybe that's something we should do a little research on and uh if we actually remember next episode maybe we'll reconvene and see if we we can come to a consensus on where we think the animated pit is located <laughs> which is never referred to as the pit in fact well, yeah I think that's it's true all it's above just, ground yeah yeah that's true the gi joe headquarters gi <laughs> joe hq all right well uh that wraps up our review of cobra claws are coming to town and now it is time for another holiday related segment we are going to talk about somebody whose head looks like a christmas ornament oh that could be so many This month at America's Elite, it is Noel's turn to pick. So, Noel, uh, tell us which character we are going to be determining the best version of. Well, you know, they say to dream big. So I went with uh, something that uh, there's there's certainly no shortage of numbers of this character. And uh, so we're going to go with the uh, Cobra uh, weapon supplier, Destro. I guess he's not the enemy weapon supplier. Holy potatoes. <laughs> I hope everybody's ready for the first ever six hour episode of Audible Interlude. So that being said, I, there's a few of these I think we're gonna wanna we're gonna wanna touch on and a handful that we're just gonna be like, yeah, we can skip that one. We can skip that one. There's a lot of it's very a lot of them are very similar. Yeah, there's no need to go into great detail on some of these. Um, obviously the original Destro, a striking figure when he came out in 1983 that vac metal head was second only to his bare chest <laughs> with with the uh ruby medallion in front of it do you guys remember because I, I have no idea i just remember thinking he looked really cool uh, you know obviously do you remember specific first impressions of this character the first time you saw this figure i, I yes. always loved it always loved it and i ever it's one i never had as a kid so i always i always, I always like lusted for it yeah i didn't i didn't own an original destro until about 1994 or so oh wow wow so what's wild my me... my my impression it was it was the uh, in his bio 
that 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 was a mask that he was wearing that is passed down from generation to generation. It it um it gave me like the vibes of just that sort of Machiavellian, but yet at the same time a, a sort of like he was a prisoner behind it. Yeah, it was a uh-huh. great backstory for him, and they've they've elaborated that some, and then sometimes he's just a guy with a metal head, hey. uh, and sometimes he's just a guy who looks like he's just a bald guy who paints his head silver. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was always I, my... When I saw the cartoon the first time, I was like, "That what's going on? That's, that's not right. Moving. That's not Destro. And, and I was just a little kid, but I was like, that's not Destro. What What... What is this? Yeah, I I had the same impression that I didn't understand why he had facial expressions and why his mouth moved when he talked. Uh, But then years later, Vinnie Jones came along and showed me that it was okay to be a Destro with a head that was just painted silver. (laughs) Yes. And to play the clarinet. And to practice your clarinet with awareness. (laughs) It's kind of weird to me that it was five years before we got another Destro. Yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah. they kept. I think they kept Destro on the pegs until I think '86 or maybe even '87. He was he was sold for a long time in the initial run, which is even weirder than ever. I never owned one. But then we got the uh, 1988 version, which is the second version with the golden vac metal head, and he is the leader at this point of the Iron Grenadiers. And he has a half cape, and I'm a sucker for a half cape. Love a half cape. <laughs> I'm such a big fan of a half cape that when I made years ago, 11 years ago now, I guess it was, uh, I made my own Mandalorian armor, and there is a half cape involved. Not not a Fett style one, but it's very much a Destro style half cape. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's great. Soft goods cape. Uh, golden, a little more, uh, no, no bare chest this time around. Still looks good. Still looks intimidating. And that gold head just screams, I got money. Yes. And it was cool to have a third faction, like a real third faction in GI Joe. Yes. Because for me, when I was a kid, Destro, uh, despite the cartoon, Destro was not part of Cobra. He was an independent worker. Yep. And even though to I me, wasn't this was the version of of Destro that had spent so much time with Cobra Commander. Not saying that like he was jealous, but that now he had to show up Cobra Commander because it was just it was flashy. Yeah, great, great looking distinctive figure. Uh, and then in '92. We get the change that unfortunately carried forward to so many other Destro figures, those stupid shoulder pads. Yeah, the shoulder pads are unfortunate, but they actually, the um, the thing around his head, they the molded pop, that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I love that on this figure, and this yes. carried over to multiple figures. The same, the same mold was essentially used um, for multiple versions of this. And I think this is actually the first... Well, I, I, I think I had the 97 one that I got in a three-pack, um, which uh, was the, the crimson one with the uh, the black cowl around his neck. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's an okay mold other than those shoulder pads. 
Yeah, I like the look of this figure. Well, you know what? I'm not big on his red gloves either. That's a little that's a little yeah. weird. But yeah, the yeah. collar the the way that they raised that collar up really made this one stand out. I like it. It looks really good. His head's just so much more tiny than the than the eighty three and the eighty eight figure. Oh oh but hang on because it's gonna get <laughs> tinier. Uh, oh yes. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Because <laughs> this 1993 Star Brigade <laughs> Destro, this is the time period when my younger brother was coming into G.I. Joe. Oh, okay. So 1992, 1993, those, all those waves were in our house. Not necessarily purchased by me. And as much as this, nothing about this Destro makes sense, um... From a playability factor, my younger brother loved this figure. Now, a lot of the other figures in this line also copied the the arm cannon, but I was like, "What? What did he do? Chop off his own arm? Like, <laughs> is, uh, yeah? Is it is it inside? Well, and here's the thing: I, is it's the, not long enough for it to be inside. Well, yeah, I always kind figured of that the, their arms were to their sides." inside that that central armor and they were controlling robotic arms like the ah. snake because this does remind me a little bit of the uh earth core from inhumanoids uh, yep, yep. <laughs> where it's like a little tiny head sticking out of a big armored body so yeah, yeah. i can almost see where his arms are inside that chest piece operating the big robot arm and the rocket launcher that makes more sense because in all these figures, the proportions of their body parts are so off. So uh, we've got that. What is that? Star? Is that Star Brigade? Star yeah. Brigade. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then we move on to the one Noel mentioned, the Crimson one. And then in 2001, we get the actual full revival where we get spy troops and Valor versus Venom and GI Joe versus Cobra and you know whatever else came out in those years that we'll cover in a future episode, we get a lot of repaints of very similar designs. Uh, this is where the sort of riveted head started to come in. Yeah, which I, which I don't like. And you it can see the... his ears in some of these. Yeah, thought that was weird too. That's bizarre. I ha see. I was actively collecting when this line came out, and I did not remember the Destro ears. That's really strange. Yeah, I think he looks like a bad biker gang <laughs> member. But then in two thousand three, we get to one of my favorites. <laughs> it's it's Pinhead from the Puppet Master movies <laughs> with the medallion. This is like casual freak Destro. Like, I don't... His arms are so long and his head looks so tiny. Really yeah, bizarre. I There's just something about him that I love. Like I, like I said in our Spy Troops episode, it, he is more Pimp Daddy Destro yes. than yes. Pimp Daddy Destro. Yes. Uh, and then we move on, and we get a couple of different variations. We get one in a really militaristic uniform. We get another one that's basically a throwback uh, to the, the shoulder pad version we were talking about before. And then we get this really interesting version in 2005. 
Uh, clearly another just, Iron Grenadier. Uh, yeah, he looks like theme. he's got the Crimson Guard Immortal uh, chest piece, chest piece there. But he's I like the look of this one quite a bit. Those holsters, the gold chest plate, the shoulder these shoulder pads that are not like the shoulder pads, like they just are gold mm-hmm. shoulder pads. He's got the vac metal head, which to me is critical for a great Destro figure. Yeah. Uh I like the look of this one quite a bit. He came in a box set called General Mayhem Mars Invades. Uh, he um, was used to create the Crimson Guard Immortal. Okay, uh, okay. Well, that so, makes yeah. sense because these convention exclusives that they do, you know, usually just mix and match parts to get something different. Uh, and then in 2007, we get the actual 25th anniversary Destro that, uh, in general, looks pretty good. Yeah. 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 I like him. His left hand is a little janky. It won't hold anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look-wise, for 25th, um, like first Wade, it was a really good update to his original figure. He's got a functional holster, which, you know, on a three-and-three-quarter-inch figure is a little questionable because it yeah. doesn't, doesn't always look... It's a little boxy. It's a little huge. But then out of this same mold, we got two different versions of what is now called uh, Profits Distribution Destro, <laughs> dis- whatever. Uh, one with a silver vac metal head and one with a gold vac metal head. And I'm actually looking right now. I can't remember. The gold one was the, was the rare one. The okay. silver one. Because I had the silver one um, when, because that was the year that the convention was in Atlanta, um, and I got my silver one, but the gold one uh, eluded me, and I think it was fetching several hundred dollars. Yeah, I've I've got the silver one, which makes sense because that would have been easier to get. Uh, Really wild design. Uh, It's not going to be. Not going to be my favorite Destro, but it is something different <laughs> and weird that I appreciate within the line. Uh, and then over the next few years, we get a couple of different variations of the Iron Grenadier Destro with the half cape, uh, different head colors. Nothing that stands out as particularly spectacular. I think it's worth mentioning version 18 is suffers from small head syndrome, but overall I think has a really nice profile. Yeah. And then we kind of skipped over because we focus, we're focusing on Yojo's three and three quarter inch page. We uh, we skipped over one that I have a soft spot for, and that is the Hall of Fame Destro from ninety <laughs> four. Is that right? Sounds right. It was, 90, yeah, it was right. The, it was right. the end of the original run. Right, ninety four to ninety six, somewhere in there. Um, this is the first thing I ever bought off of eBay. Ah, because wow. I did not collect the Hall of Fame line when it was in stores, which I believe it was Target exclusive. Uh, back before online pre-orders would drive people to insanity. So. Oh. I, in 98 or 99, I think, uh, my very first eBay experience, I decided I wanted some kind of G.I. Joes, and these 12-inch Joes, for some reason, are what caught my eye. And this Destro, in particular, 
just I, I don't know why I had to have one and I don't know what the auction finished at. It was under 20 bucks shipped. Wow. Uh, because these, these were all, I, I ended up buying almost the entire hall of fame line as well as some of the vehicles and I actually still have them all, uh, off of the eBay. Weirdest the next bunch of, of years. bare, bare handed figures you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> why well, did none of them have gloves? And what what I did, if you remember, around the turn of the century, uh, there was another military line by 21st Century Toys. Yeah. And they had basic figures that were under 10 bucks at the time. I bought a bunch of those, pulled the heads off of these G.I. Joe Hall of Fame figures... And put them on the 21st century bodies, which were... Oh, that's brilliant! Yes, fully articulated, great six-scale bodies. Uh, So I had this whole line, and I did a bunch of custom figures. I made a Lady J, I made a Firefly, uh, that I actually still have on the shelf behind me right now, because I'm so proud of this one, and I'm not... I don't really do custom stuff anymore, but at the time, it was basically my hobby was trying to build this... 12 inch scale GI Joe line. And, and this stuff was so inexpensive at the time that it was not a problem to do so. But that Destro, even though he has the stupid shoulder pads that I hate so much overall, that hall of fame Destro was pretty good and not a bad figure. And he had a removable, his is actually had a removable mask. Yeah. Me now is reaching back in time and smacking younger me because I got the hall of fame figures when they were coming out and I hated those bodies. It's why I ended up getting rid of all of them. Yeah. Um, they they had for that, the listeners but who made them know, on a different body is so so much better. Oh, it made all the difference in the world. And for the listeners who may not know, those Hall of Fame figures came on the uh, the sort of rubber with an armature underneath. It was very much like a Barbie at the time. Uh, so they had elbows and they had knees but they were ratcheting joints and they didn't have much range because they had a thick coating of rubber around them. Uh, just not not great bodies. And, and Hasbro was using those for everything at the time. The 12-inch Star Wars figures yeah. had the same thing. The 12-inch Street Fighter figures. like That, that was just the body that they were using. Uh, so I, I like that Destro. It's not going to be my favorite, but I liked it. Uh, and then we've we've also got to talk really quickly about the Sigma Six Destro. Uh, Christian, do you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah. Uh, so the Sigma Six was like Joe's. You know, it was like an eight-inch line. Uh, it was a very stylized kind of look. So, uh, thankfully, Destro doesn't have a lot of the um, like rivets and and plug holes that a lot of the Joes had. Uh, but he has this awesome purple jacket that is actual real cloth and removable um he's i can't quite remember if the head was back metal did it it is shiny uh but you know they also went ahead and painted his his torso like this shiny gray um but he's you know sigma six Again, stylized. Very I'm trying stylized. to say nice things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, big clunky anime boots, uh, oversized hands, 
Um, but but man, that I I wish we could get a three and three quarter Destro with a purple jacket. <laughs> well, this is one one of my kind of guides to how cool I think a figure looks is if I saw this at a convention for a reasonable price, would I buy it? And this Sigma Six Destro, if I saw this on somebody's table for like ten, fifteen bucks, I would buy it at a convention. And apparently there's and I a love... Sigma Six Crime Boss Destro version, which oh. is uh which is a different figure. It's got uh up a good picture of it there um but yeah he's in like he's he's got like burgundy pants and a black top with some uh some body armor on it so uh yeah that's another interesting destro piece oh yeah i'm looking and, at that now that's wild and, and when you get into like the 25th anniversary line on up you know, most of the Destros came with a briefcase because he yes. is a weapon supplier and sigma six you know, they were able, larger figures, they were able to go into more more detail. So I do love that that his briefcase opens up and there is little tiny money inside of it. And like the little computer with, you know, a keyboard with individual keys as opposed to just a hollow briefcase. Yeah, definitely. I Like, this is cool. It's a cool looking toy. And that's, you know, that's something that I think gets forgotten a lot of times is like, is this a good toy? And yeah, that Sigma Six Destro, both versions of that are good toys. Yeah. Uh, so moving along, the the next kind of big thing that happens is the 2009 movie where we get an actual James McCullen figure with Christopher Eccleston's likeness, uh, with an alternate masthead, some vac metal weapons. He's in he's in his suit, which I like a lot because I really like Destro in a suit. I think that's a cool look. Uh and this was a special box set from I think it was San Diego Comic Con, is that right? It was yeah, it was San Diego Comic Con that year, so Oh wow. I got to pick these up. Yeah, I, I have this box set and it also comes with uh his ancestor Destro, whatever his name yeah. is. I can't remember. Uh Great little set. I don't think it's astronomically expensive on eBay right now, um, but I just love the idea of having Doctor Who as Destro. Like that, <laughs> that, that tickles me. Um, and then at the same time, we got a 12-inch version of the movie Destro that is a fantastic figure. It's got a much better body, like we were talking about before, a fully articulated uh, one-six scale body. It's got a soft good suit with the tie, and then it has the chrome head like we see at the end of the movie. Uh, regardless of what you think about it, that's what happens at the movie. Uh, and it is a, uh, a shiny metal head in Christopher Eccleston's likeness. It's a great-looking figure, especially standing next to the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Sienna Miller Baroness figure. I've got both of those up on the shelf. Uh, and again, whatever you think of that movie, these figures look awesome and are a cool piece to me of G.I. Joe history. Sorry, take a little sip of beverage. I'm drying out here, you guys. Um, <laughs> moving on, we get more 25th anniversary style figures. Uh, I like the uh version 25 that has this long yep. military coat 
Yeah, and that's the Resolute version, uh, which yep. I love. It's World War II inspired, kind of. Um, and there was some, uh, there were some comics that were uh, Transformers was GI Joe that were two designs. Oh yeah, well. artwork by Jay Lee. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that and was th- my favorite Transformers versus GI Joe series. Yeah, this came out a f- couple years after that, but uh, they kind of kept that look with this Destro, and I've always loved it with that long, uh, that long trench coat. Yeah, I don't have this one because I, I, I don't know why. I don't have this one because I bought a lot of the Resolute toys. Weird. Anyway, v- great looks, Drew. I really like. Yeah, this. I think he's very intimidating looking. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a weird one that I've got to click on here because I can't even figure out what the heck is going on with it. Destro <laughs> version looks tw- like he's frozen. Version twenty-seven. Oh, 26, oh, but that twenty-six. Is like an actually an Arctic Destro, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't even know. Yeah, what the Pursuit of Cobra. The Pursuit of Cobra, yeah. So um, he's an Arctic Destro. Yeah, yeah, he is actually an Arctic Destro, and I passed on this one. And what's funny about this is we had this came out in 2010, and we actually had a ton of snow in Georgia this year, and I did on uh, OldNeedlessThings.com. If you go back to 2010, you can find a sort of toy story that I did. I went outside. I took all of my Arctic-themed G.I. Joes outside in the snow and took pictures of this, like, Arctic adventure story at the time. And I was so mad that I had not bought this Arctic Destro because I didn't have him to put in there. Uh, But he's like... If if you get snow in your area, this is a great Destro to have. If you don't, yeah. it's kind of like, eh, I don't need this. But it's from the Great Pursuit of Cobra line, which is a fantastic subline. Uh, and then we move on to this version 27, which is the one I was trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this. It looks like... I can't yeah, even I tell... I remember him, him, but looking at him with all of his gone, this is like... It's a lot happening. Yeah, yeah street-level Destro that, you know, belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and he's got, like, the tactical weapons, and that he's got that, that cool... It's very similar uh, bodysuit to the what the Joes are wearing in <laughs> in the in the first live-action movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, a, this is an over-the-top... Look at his stand. James McCullen Destro... The 24th, his stand <laughs> says. He's got a lot of armor. He's got a briefcase with money in it. This is a, money. a lot. Oh, he actually comes with a bunch of yeah. money. Yeah. He's full of money. What a wild Destro. And now I'm actually wondering, I might have this. I have a stack of Pursuit of Cobra figures that I haven't even opened. They've just been sitting there. I'm going to have to go look and see if I've got this guy. He's crazy. This is the most insane Destro, I think. Like, over-the-top, too-much-Destro Destro. Destro. (laughs) Uh, And then we get a couple more versions. We get uh, version 28 is somewhat reminiscent of the Penhead Puppet Master version that I mentioned before. Well, 28's the one that came with the G.I. Joe versus Transformers. uh, Yes. Shockwave, his tank. Okay, now now that I'm looking at this. This is one that I actually have. Yeah, Um, I've got this one as well, and I didn't even realize that's what it was on in the, the picture. 
Yeah, yeah he that's... also comes with a, he also comes with a giant briefcase full of money. And I believe it's actually for the same money. Comes with Soundwave and yeah. cassettes and the Shockwave Hiss Tank, which is one of my favorite toys of all time. Uh, but yeah. I gotta take some points away for his rifle being cast in like 1993 neon green. Well, it went with the color theme of the set because it also yep. included a bat that had that purple and green color oh, theme. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and, I, and I don't think Dave's ever going to argue with a purple and green combination never. of colors. I love purple and green <laughs> color schemes. Always the best. Yeah, so I, yeah, I actually I didn't even recognize it at first because it had that big vest on it, but I've got this on the shelf over there. Uh, love this set. And I, I've most of my... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con G.I. Joe Transformers sets like a fool uh, but I did keep this one uh, and that brings us up to date with the G.I. Joe classified versions of Destro uh, where we have a regular Destro that I think is absolutely fantastic and then the Profits distributor or distribution I can't ever remember which word it is uh, the PD Profits Director, that's my big problem with it. Uh, Destro, with the, the gold head and the sunglasses and the leopard print. Which, funny note, I reviewed that Destro on the Needless Things YouTube channel and totally missed the sunglasses because they're so tiny. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and get them later. Uh, but the, they're both great. I've, I've The standard classified Destro is probably one of the best Destro figures that's been released. Uh, so having covered all that, are there any that we sort of skipped over that you guys wanted to mention? I think, I think we covered all the ones that are, that are really worth covering. As I, as I mentioned, there's a lot of this stuff we're going to skip over. Like we, we kind of glossed over the 2004 version 11. Um, the, it's the, the figure construction's terrible. Uh, he's got the, the super broad shoulders and all that. Um, I would have liked for them to explore more military, like realistic military themed versions of Destro. Um, and that's that's why that's why I love uh, Twenty Five so much. The uh, the Resolute when we were talking about. Yeah. So I think that more variations on that two thousand four costume were welcome. There was kind of the twenty three and two thousand nine kind of covered that too, where he's wearing uh, like yes. a gray jacket. Um, so I think those are. I think that's an underrated look for him. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a solid look, and we you know it goes back to him being uh, the leader of the Iron Grenadiers. Like there is a military theme to Destro, obviously, uh, but now we've got to figure out which is our favorite, our ultimate look for Destro, uh, Christian. Which one of these? Out of all the Destros, if you could pick one Destro. five to 37 versions of him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, um, oh, if, if I could only have one Destro on my shelf, it is going to be version 25, the Resolute. Ah, very nice. I can't argue that at all. I mean, that's, that's a solid, imposing Destro. Uh, I, gosh, this is a tough one. I really, I, I'm actually surprising myself a little bit here. 
that 2009 San Diego Comic-Con Christopher Eccleston Destro, the fact that it's in the suit, that it has the interchangeable heads, you know, it's missing the color, it's missing the bare chest, it's not, it's not your signature look for Destro, but I love Destro as a businessman, I'm going with that one. I, that figure, if I could only have one Destro, it would be that suited Christopher Eccleston Destro. I love it. Uh, so, Noel, this was your pick. You get to wrap this thing up. Which one is your Destro of choice? Well, I was I was all sure that I was going to go with um, either the 1988 version to Iron Grenadiers or... Um, the 2008 uh, V20, which was the update of that in the 25th line. Um, but when I started looking at this list the other night, I said, and I'm going to share this with Christian, uh, that version 25, that Resolute, it's, it captures Destro's color scheme, which I think is great, and it updates that to that, uh, that really awesome vintage-style military outfit. And as, as you mentioned, he looks imposing. He looks like he looks like someone he should be feared and respected. Well, and he's got that angular head that looks more like a mask and less like a guy with his head painted silver. Uh, Great-looking figure. Absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, I think we've determined this month which one is America's elite... Well, we've determined three Americas elite. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we have, though. Version 25, because we had two yeah. out of three voting for that one. So, uh, version 25 Destro is America's elite. It's time now to reflect back to our youths oh so many years ago and share some Christmas memories of G.I. Joe, whether it's finding Joe under the tree, adding Joe to your list, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about G.I. Joe being part of our childhood Christmases. Uh, Noel, why don't you kick us off since this was your idea? All right. Sounds good. Um, so i uh, got a couple of Christmases in mind that I thought about about this. And I got to remember, I, I got to go back, first of all, to my first, I'm not going to say my first Joe Christmas, because as I mentioned before, I had G.I. Joe's before 1982, the, the 12-inch adventure team and uh, previous Joe incarnations that were uh, given to me by, by, by my uncle. But in 1982, when A Real American Hero came out that Christmas, I got my first four Joes, which were uh, Flash, Zap, uh, Cobra Officer, and uh, of course I got the Vamp, which came with Clutch. So not a big collection. You had you had three Joes, one vehicle, and one lowly Cobra Officer with nobody to command um, and nobody to command him. Um, so I kind of had to, you know, to, to work them and ease them into my into my toys i didn't usually cross over a lot of toy lines um but I, I had a few other three and three quarter inch figures not just star wars figures but i had some flash gordon figures i had a, a couple of um i can't remember what else i had um but i had a handful of other ones that would that would kind of fit that size yeah. so 
they they worked together cobra the cobra officer was was recruiting ming the merciless to work with him he was he was re- recruiting a, a snow trooper um and uh in just that few months before i actually acquired a few more i was able to to amass some pretty large battles in my backyard and uh in the natural area uh, with the with the tall uh monkey grass stalks um and uh i i just can imagine if i if we all had technology like we did now uh i love setting up little dioramas with those little with those four figures and my one vamp out there and i would love to have taken some pictures of them with a with a smartphone and shared them amongst all my <laughs> friends when i was seven years old but alas we did not have that sort of technology in our hands at the time no so we sure didn't yeah that's 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 said that's my first one that I, uh, of course, will always remember getting those first Joes uh, for Christmas that year because uh, as soon as I saw there were new, small, Star Wars-sized G.I. Joe figures coming out, that was all I could think about for that entire few months. I think uh, my starting point, the thing I'm going to have to mention, is something that happened before Christmas, and that would be the Sears and JCPenney wish books coming in the mail. Uh, for those who may not know of such things, these were big catalogs that got sent out at the beginning of every holiday season, probably the beginning of November, pro- probably right, ar- right around when we were recording this. Uh, and they had, you know, all the, the clothes and appliances and everything else. But in the back of these was the toy section and all of the cool new toys that would be available for ordering or for in-store purchase for that christmas season uh would be in there and so that's where we would see all of these you know it wasn't just about seeing the new product it was also about seeing you know noel you mentioned dioramas it was about seeing this great photography of the vehicles the figures the bases whatever the case may be uh you know i loved just looking at those pictures uh but you would sit down and you'd see a big battle scene with like the G.I. Joe headquarters, the dragonfly up above it, the vamp, a hiss tank, uh, and then all of the figures. And it, they would, it would be on like uh, sand or something, and there'd be a hill in the background. Just really, really cool. You know, nowadays we have figure photography on Instagram uh, where people do things like this. But that was the origin of it was these these toy catalogs uh, that would, would come in. And I just loved looking at these pictures. And you'd sit down and you'd write down your list based on those pictures of, of what you were going to need, what you were asking Santa for. And, and I just, that was, for me, that was one of the high points of the holiday experience for years and years was, was getting those wish books and seeing those awesome pictures of the toys that I wanted so bad. Yeah. I, I, that with the day that wish book would come in the mail, I was, just I was instantly hooked and yeah the same thing that's when you first mentioned that I was like oh yes the photography that was that was the highlight of that and then also to see like what kind of adjacent toy lines they would put on the page with the G.I. Joe yes yes weren't necessarily G.I. Joe or you know the the, you'd have the Transformers and the GoBots then you'd have like some random like robot figure you never saw that would kind of go along with that yeah, there'd be like Dulotron. Yeah. That would that would be a JC Penny special for you know twelve ninety nine, and it lit up and it was like eighteen inches tall and didn't go with anything else. But that's also where you got like the Sears exclusives you would yes. see in those catalogs for the first time. Yeah, which as a kid, 
I never, like, I didn't comprehend that that's what some of those were. It was actually not until I started working in comic shops uh, my freshman year in college where I learned, oh, wait a minute, Sears exclusive, because there were quite a few spread throughout different, you know, toy lines and doll lines and stuff like that. Uh, but as a kid, I just thought, this is what I'm, you know, it's like the catalogs that come with the toys. So this is what I'm going to find anywhere and everywhere. Um, there was a reason that I knew specifically about the exclusives. I want to say that there was one year, there used to be a Sears, gosh, what was it called? It was like a discount Sears store. Mm, service merchandise? Or... No, no, no. It was, it was actually Sears, but it was oh. like Sears Outlet or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember them having the outlet stores. It, it had a different name, but anyway, we would go there, and I remember them having, uh, the like one of the exclusive sets. It wasn't. I I don't remember what it was at the time, but I remember asking my mom about it, and I think that was when she explained to me that Sears and J.C. Penney got stuff that nobody else got. And I don't know that she knew the exclusive terminology or knew exactly what, what or why it was, but she made it clear like, no, no, this is just Sears has their own thing. So if you want mm -hmm. that, we've got to get it from Sears. There, there's some, something, some kind of exchange along those lines happened. And unfortunately it's been lost to time now. What it was. <laughs> those things were unicorns to me because I don't think I ever saw any one of those Sears exclusive toys until I was, well into adulthood i believe i had one or two uh and i would have to sit down and look and and see what sparked a memory to see what i had because i'm fairly certain i had one or two of the if not the like color variants of at least like the set that just came that way because they would do that as well where it would be a set that had the stinger and the asp or something along those lines yeah uh yeah, well, as a matter of fact, that would be a pretty good um, segment at some point to talk about some of those exclusives. Absolutely. That in the future. I'm going to write that down. Christian, what about you? Uh, what What are some magical Christmas Joe memories? So, a uh, small town in Indiana where I grew up, uh, usually around like the beginning of December, uh, some of the chain stores that we had, which we didn't have like, you know, Walmart or Targets. We had Hills, we had 3Ds, we had TGNY, like none of these stores are around anymore. Uh, but I very specifically remember as a kid that 3D and Hills would take a section of their toy area and set up tables. And they would take all the various toys that are on the shelves and open some up and just have them on the tables Whoa. so that kids could play with them. So, and it was something I would look forward to every single Christmas because, you know, you go to the store and you see something in the package and you're like, that's cool, that's cool. And then if you're lucky enough, that might be one of the things that they open and had on the table. Yeah. So one of the things that they had open was a hiss tank when they came out. And my mom 
could not get me away <laughs> from the table. I did not want to leave the store. I thought it was the coolest thing. And so, you know, amongst my, uh, our, my brothers, you know, we had to buy each other Christmas gifts. And so my gift to my brother, because I was not leaving that store without a hiss tank, was I would buy him the hiss tank. Now, karma's revenge on me is the hiss tank that my mom picked up. She, she did not do a very good job at paying attention to the package um, because <laughs> family gifts we opened up Christmas Eve. So when yeah. my brother opened his hiss tank, it did not have the driver. And when we opened it, it up, it was missing the treads and it was missing the gun turret. It was literally just oh, no. the black body. Oh. <laughs> and I was devastated. Uh, I was way more upset than my, my brother was um, because of the ulterior motives of why I had to have it. But I will never, <laughs> never, never forget, you know, that, going to 3Ds that night and being able to play with the Hiss tank and just absolutely falling in love with it. Well, we're very fortunate in that this year G.I. Joe can once again be under the tree. Uh, and of course, we have you know plenty of G.I. Joe at our fingertips from the, the record that's coming out. Uh, you can still get the cartoons. You can go on YouTube and watch the cartoons and uh, just spend some time with uh, the franchise that we love so much here, right at the end of the year, uh, and any and any more tanks that are that, that have their treads and their gun turrets, you can get yes. now. So <laughs> yes. now that I'm actually seeing them hit the shelves around here, uh, that is something I check. <laughs> well, awesome! Merry Christmas, everybody. This is the segment of the show where we each get a turn to ramble about anything in the world of G.I. Joe. Uh, this time, Christian, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so uh, here in Orlando, we are finally seeing the retro figures hitting the shelves and staying on the shelves. Uh, so I picked up a Storm Shadow, and I actually, the long sleeves don't bother me, but I got to tell you, I do not like action figures. I cannot hold their accessories. Mm. I was going to leave them in the package, uh, but uh, curiosity got the best of me finally the other night, and I opened him up. And uh, you know the 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 way they have his hands pose, like he comes with all these accessories, and without sticky tack, he really can't hold any of them really well. So, uh, who on you, retro classic? <laughs> storm shadow well i'm gonna segue then right into my thought because it also involves the retro line and the fact that the opposite of what i expected is happening i thought that the figures would be sitting there peg warming and that the vehicles would be gone but what i'm seeing around me is his tanks and awe strikers on the shelves plentiful and no figures 
Uh, I, yeah, I thought I, I really did think it would be the other way around because to me, the awe striker and the his tank is something that appeals to a much wider uh, array of collector than the retro figures. Uh, and I too picked up that storm shadow and opened him up. And I, I agree with you. He's, I, I think it's a really cool looking figure. It's not storm shadow. Uh, but yeah, they just didn't. Uh, I wish it had just been a red ninja. If that figure had been a red ninja and was able to hold its weapons, uh, I'd be I'd be happy with it. I, and I would. I would too because one. he'd still be on the peg. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would have bought multiples. I would. I would have probably gotten at least four. Uh, all right, Noel, bring us home. Well, uh, mine's not related to that, but I did want to kind of build on what you were saying. The only thing that I'm seeing in stores uh, are those terrible uh, little one-inch painted die-cast figures. I like and those. I feel like every time I walk into a Walmart, there's a new peg full of them, uh, <laughs> where the ones that were there last time I were, was there uh, haven't moved. Um, but I actually, I, I've seen the Hiss Tank. I saw one striker one time. Um but I, but yeah, I've seen a few his tanks, and that's pretty much been it. I've seen probably about equal number of figures versus vehicles distributed. Interesting. Um, well, but, and uh, that's that's how distribution goes. It's yeah. stuff shows up different places, different times. Uh, but for my babble today, I'm actually going to veer off on a different subject. As many people know, as I've mentioned pretty much in every episode, uh, I am a member of the Finest, which is a costuming group. Um, and uh, because we haven't really been able to do a lot of conventions this year, haven't been able to do a lot of recruiting, um, one of our one of our members, uh, a very generous guy by the name of uh, Rainstrike Czar, uh, aka the Patch Czar, uh, in his spare time, he makes patches. He makes custom patches. Uh, not just G.I. Joe, but that's really what he does more than anything else. Um, and what he's decided to do uh, is do a, essentially like a Black Friday sale for the month of December. He's starting, uh, by the time that you uh, are hearing this, he, he's starting on Black Friday, uh, 1127. He's running it all the way through the end of December. Uh, if you go to the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook, just look up the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook. Uh, if, you, if you've thought about working on a costume, a G.I. Joe costume, if it's ever it's been bugging you, you've had some downtime during the pandemic and you started putting some stuff together, Post a picture of your progress, uh, any progress whatsoever, and uh, the patch czar will send you uh, a, a, a patch for your costume completely free of charge. A couple of exceptions, um, the exceptions being the, the giant Cobra sigils for the uh, Crimson Guard or the Cobra Trooper or Officer. He'll sell those to you at half price if you're doing one of those. Uh, but for the rest of those, he's actually gone through and scoured every single patch that every character from 1982 to 1994 has ever worn on their costumes and uh, actually has the files to print a custom patch of any one of those. And That's crazy. If, even if yeah. you're not looking to, to build a costume and you just want a cool patch, like you want that the, one of those cool airborne patches or one of those neat little Cobra uh, uh, squad patches or something like that, uh, hit him up. Uh, check out Patch Czar on Facebook and, um, he, and he'll sell them to you at very, very reasonable prices, especially for something that's that unique. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe as always, music is by Andy Sanford of electricminnowmusic.com. Please follow Audible Interlude on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Uh, you guys, it's time. Yo, Joe. Oh, Cobra. Bro.
You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.